0: Welcome to The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation hosted by me, Michelle Corey, that breaks down the barriers surrounding art, theater, travel, and more to serve a digestible dose of culture for all. Bienvenidos! It's another episode of the Cultured Podcast. We have quite the lovely guest with us today and quite the fun topic. It's our first episode about dance and here we have choreographer, dancer, filmmaker extraordinaire, Jewel D. Lane. He specializes in contemporary dance, both choreography and actually dancing himself, and he's exceptional. I mean, his talent is unbelievable, and he's starting to be recognized as one of the rising star talents in the United States when it comes to contemporary dance. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear his perspective on what it takes to choreograph a piece and the things that inspire him, both personally and in the world, that influence his movement and his path and his journey as a dancer. But first, let's talk about what's inspiring me. It's an interesting topic, death is my inspiration for this week, because it's a constant reminder that life is short and that we should make the best of every moment. Most of all, death reminds me to stay true to myself and to not give any Fs (laughs) about what others think I should be or should do or should not be or should not do. I stay very true to my own moral code and my integrity, what feels right to me, and I've gotten much better at it as I've aged, as I think is a natural part of growing and maturing. Lately, there's been a lot of deaths around me and Jewel agrees that there seems to be a lot of people leaving this realm and going on to another or whatever it is that we do when we die. And I think that that is just a constant reminder that we should hold each other really close, tell each other we love each other, and uh, really appreciate what each of us brings to this world during our short stay on the earth. So, you know, Like the saying goes, memento mori, carpe diem. Uh, I learned that actually from one of my favorite podcasts, which is called The Adventures of Memento Mori, which is all about death. So if you want to explore more concepts of death, you can listen to that podcast. But we're going to focus a little bit on life and self-expression, which comes to life when we trust ourselves and the voices within. Without further ado, Jewel D. Lane, let's chit chat. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> hey. Let's talk. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: I'm super happy to be here. Thank you.
0: So, tell us a little bit about how you got into dance in the first place.
1: You know, growing up, I used to watch a show called Faint, mm-hmm. and there was a character on the show, his name was Leroy. He was the black character on the show. But it was something really fascinating about him. And I loved the way that he was moving. And I used to try to emulate how he moved. And I didn't know anything about the storyline of fame. I just knew that it was this really cool school. Everybody got on the lunch tables and they danced. And I was like, I want to do that. So that's what I want to do. And I used to cut up my socks and make leg warmers. And, you know, I just wanted to be on that show. And that kind of, like, boosted my inspiration into dance.
0: And that actually goes to show that the faces that we see on TV really do influence us. And so it's really important to have those faces of every color, shape, and form because we all relate differently to those things. Yes. But it wasn't until later that you actually started dancing, right?
1: Right. Probably when I got into high school. And I think the reason why I started dancing, too, is because I grew up with a lot of anxiety and I grew up trying to figure out the world. And I think sometimes the world has a way of telling you who you are before you even and know who you are. Mm, and it's preach. just so much stuff going on. And and able to soften that anxiety, dance was really my drug yeah. You know It was the one thing That I just felt Extremely comfortable with And it, when I got into High school uh, My teacher Freddie Hendricks And Dawn Aksum They were very instrumental In pushing that out of me And I was like This is This is like healing Like I'm not nervous anymore Like I don't stutter Okay what's happening what, What's really going on wow. So that was like I think The catalyst to say You know what I love this and And this is really healing me And I found my calling
0: Wow yeah. That is a powerful story and, again, a testament to the importance of arts in our schools because it can be medicinal. And I've mentioned several times on this show that art and self-expression are as ancient as the human race. Mm-hmm. We find it on cave walls. We find it in oration thousands, tens of thousands of years ago, uh, dance and theater from ancient times. So the fact that some people don't want to fund the arts in schools is a problem because look at... Look at what you were able to overcome just by moving your body in a way that allowed that energy to flow more freely.
1: It's so important, and and it's a shame that more schools are not funding the arts because this is what we need. Even if you don't want to do this as a profession, the thing that I love about the arts is that it builds character and Mm. it builds confidence. And if you want to be that lawyer, you have to have that confidence as an actor. You have to train like an actor. Everything kind of coexists with the arts, with with your regular um, academics, and I think it's important.
0: Absolutely. You know, my ex was a mechanical design engineer, and I was always amazed at how artistic that principle is Mm -hmm. because you have to model things and you have to create these major components with a hundred little other components Mm -hmm. in them. And there's something very artistic about that even. Focusing a little bit more about your journey, you now specialize in contemporary dance that's very fast tempo. And you've said before that that's the little anxious kid that still lives (laughs) within you. And I love that. So tell me about how the movements come from your body and, and why it feels comfortable to do fast tempo.
1: I think because I... Used to talk fast, and I still talk fast. Mm. I move fast. I do everything pretty fast, and I think that just comes from just being super hyper. And I think it comes because I'm a Taurus, and I I want things done a certain way. (laughs) So, um, and I can be stubborn. And I think you know the 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 fast tempo is a part of my whole my tempo as a person, the tempo that I live through life. Um, And I've said it before. I do like slow. Um, you know, movements as well. It's just something about the fast nature that's just kind of becomes like your signature, or it becomes your personal style. And I, I like the fact that I can play on rhythms and I can fit a lot of movement into one eight count. But I've always told myself that you know I want to make sure that the movement is very genuine and it makes sense. And it's not just I'm doing it to be super impressive, but it's like I'm trying to get to a point.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I love that. that ties in pretty well to the inspiration for this episode because you're making the most of every count and that could be applied to life. Absolutely. Oh, you see what I did see? there? Bam. <laughs> <laughs> so you have been kind of skyrocketing lately in your career and I think it's a testament to the fact that you trust in yourself, you trust in your voice, you speak freely through your dance about your life. Uh, you've recently had a piece featured in Ailey 2's world tour. Yeah. Touch and degree was your piece. And, you know, for those who don't know, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater is an iconic institution around the world. It's actually considered a cultural ambassador to the U.S. That's how pivotal this dance company is. And... Ailey2 is the second company that features up-and-coming and innovative dancers and choreographers <clears throat> like Mr. Jewel D. Lane <laughs> over here. Um, so tell us about what that was like when you got the call to be a part of that.
1: Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> well, the artistic director, Troy Powell, um, of Ailey2, he had set up a meeting that he wanted to talk to me and I was like, okay, maybe he wants me to come in and teach. Cool, no problem. I, I have no problem doing that. So when he actually called he actually FaceTimed me, <laughs> and I thought it was probably—I thought it would be easier because I was in Philadelphia at the time, and I had my notepad out. And he was like, "Why do you have your notepad out?" Oh, I was like, "I just want to take some notes just to make sure." He was like, "You know why I'm calling, right?" I was like, "No, do you want me to teach?" And he was like, "I want you to set a piece on a company." And I literally froze at the FaceTime. I was like, "Huh?" And like all these thoughts. As a tourist do, they started coming in my head. I was like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? I don't know. <laughs> so um, I gladly said yes. And as soon as I hung up the phone, I said, what are you going to do, Jewel? I knew I had a couple of months, but the thing that I wanted to do was do something very personal that represented me, where I'm from. And I just had to be super, super genuine. So when when he gave me that platform, it was like, oh, okay let's get rock rolling
0: <laughs> yeah and you know what i love touch and agree is very representative of the themes that you tend to feature in your pieces anyway the themes that tend to drive your creativity um so tell us about touch and agree and what it means to you
1: touch and agree um pretty much is a testament of who i am as a same gender loving man i wanted to do a piece that just kind of shed a, a little light on what's going on adding to the conversation um, it, it talks about this idea of navigating through love and just trying to figure it out, you know. And I think for me, I'm still trying to figure out love. And mm,
0: me too.
1: Okay. <laughs> Hello. Um, so, we're, so it talks about that, but it talks through it through an LGBTQIA lens, yeah. And it just gives these voices um, an opportunity to shine and just personal experience and, and also experiences for my friends. So, like every like there's four different sections. The, the uh, first section is called waiting. Which deals with the same gender duet Um, The second section is called cookie jar Which talks about bisexuality The third section is called transparent Which you really focus on uh, Trans people. And it, it also can be very universal as well. And the fourth section is called Legendary, which um, kind of dives into the ballroom culture and just kind of gives you this big who are of like, this is who we are. We're not going anywhere.
0: And it was performed in Atlanta just about a week after Pride. Yes. So perfect. Perfect timing, right? I know. Yep. Beautiful. <laughs> Such a celebration of love yeah. and same-sex love in particular. Yeah. yeah, Or just love without boundaries. Yes. Okay, well when you figure out love, could you let me know what it's oh, all
1: sure. about? Oh, sure. I think I would let the, the whole world. I think we're all trying to figure that thing. <laughs>
0: Thanks. That'd be great. <laughs> Preesh, why do you focus so much on these personal relationship journeys with your dance?
1: That is a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think because when I love, I love really hard and I have a lot of people say, "Well, how come you're not with anybody?" And it's like I'm very I'm a strong believer of protecting the space. And, and, and focusing on good energy. And so just throughout my whole life, and I'm still learning, I'm just trying to make sure that the connection is clear. And I always feel like since I don't go to a therapist, this is the way to kind of throw those things out. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of put them out there, project them, being extremely vulnerable, letting the whole world know what's going on in your brain. Because for me, it, it becomes a source of healing.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that you called it to make sure the connection is clear. That's really beautiful. And there can be so much noise in certain connections. And we try to barrel through them and make them clear and force them to be clear, especially you being a Taurus and me being a Virgo. Oh, oh, wow. (laughs) I have a lot of Virgo friends. <laughs> yes. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so I, I find that really beautifully put um, and very inspiring. And, you know, I also am very inspired by love and have given presentations about what love represents in terms of its biological essence, because I'm so fascinated by how we can meet certain people and just immediately feel this explosion of chemicals in our brains yes. and how we can meet other people, regardless of physicality whatsoever, and just feel nothing. Yes. It's so random and chaotic and beautiful and crazy.
1: Yeah, it just has to make sense. Yeah. Because, like, you know, sometimes I feel like love is is, is a natural high and it will get oh, you yeah. high and it would get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and you're like, what did I just get myself into?
0: Amen. Because you're
1: so deeply in love.
0: Oh, Yes. Let's talk about what it takes to choreograph a piece. So first of all, what makes a piece of dance contemporary versus traditional or another category of dance?
1: If you separate the two, ballet and modern, ballet is technically done with soft shoes or like the women are in point shoes. Contemporary is usually done with no shoes. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, the whole arc in the 21st century has changed. Like contemporary can be done with sneakers. You know, Contemporary can be done with tap shoes. You know, I think it's just they all have been borrowed forms, but it's just about whatever the choreographer or whatever the company is presenting, which is really interesting. That's why I really loved working with the Atlanta Ballet, because I was able to go in there and have them put on sneakers and just do something fun. And the thing that I enjoy is that all of the dancers were so open. Yeah, it was so open to the process. And it's like, cool, let's
0: do it from my point of view, classical is much more structured and much more, um, there are so many more rules because it's based on a 600-year-old tradition yes. of classical dance. What I love about modern is that there are no rules. The mm-hmm. only rule is express yourself. Like you said, either have a dialogue with the audience or express whatever you need to tell the world. Yep. And to me, there's that fluidity and that idea of you never know what you're going to see, you never know what you're going to get when you see these performers, that is so exciting and so fresh and also allows for relevancy like a classical art form doesn't as much allow for. So that's the fun part.
1: Well, if you talk about modern dance in its whole forms, you have the pioneers, you have people like Catherine Dunham, Pearl Primus, Martha Graham, Alvin Ailey, you know, people who have pretty much laid out the foundation, and those are substantial techniques. But then those techniques can kind of dive into social dances. And then those techniques can dive into African dance and even hip hop. And I always tell people this, I am still learning. I haven't gotten to the point where I feel like I know everything. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is how to take the tools of what the ancestors have given us and kind of create my own voice. So in terms of trying to choreograph, I think you have to make sure you have to have something to say. Right. I think that's the biggest thing. And I I tell myself that and I tell students that I work with, too. It's like, what is it that you want to see choreographically? What is it that you are saying? Sometimes you don't want the audience to know what's going on. You just want to just do it for myself. Like this is for me only. And I just happen to have this platform. And then you have this platform where you can say, well, this is for the audience And I would love to have conversation just to kind of see what they feel, just to make them think. This is not for me to point my finger at you necessarily. So choreographically within the postmodern, modern dance trajectory, there's so many different ways that you can go. But I think you have to be extremely serious about what you do as a choreographer.
0: And dedicated to your message. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So give us a couple examples of a piece that you did just for you and a piece that you did to communicate a message or to have a dialogue with the audience.
1: Okay, a piece I did just for me was a piece I did um, at North Carolina School of the Arts. It's called When the Beat Drops. And... It was just about having fun and I wanted to pay homage to a dance style in Atlanta called YEEK. Y-E-E-K. <laughs> and so I grew up doing that and I was just like, you know, I just want to do this for me.
0: And it's so and fun. And I don't care. Oh.
1: <laughs> you know, it was it was fast tempo, bass driven, and I just thought it was fun. Now a piece that I wanted the audience to think, touch and agree, yes. you know, and, and it's, it's more just to have conversations. Inside the theater and once you leave the theater. Again, I always say, add into the conversation, what do you get from it? And I love when I hear people say, I really love that. That reminded me of X, Y, Z, as opposed to saying, what is it that you want us to think? Yeah. You know, it's it's more about what the audience, like what do you get from it?
0: Which is, to me, the beauty of all art. Every piece of artwork, every sculpture, every dance is experienced completely uniquely by each person because of the context of their lives. Yes. That's the beauty of it is it's produced with a certain intention by the artist and then it's received in a completely unique way. So, I mean, as an artist, you have to kind of let go of control of the message at a certain point and be comfortable with it being interpreted and reimagined and owned by each single audience member and that's
1: the beauty that you know i'm just so fortunate that ailey too has been traveling with this piece because people get to experience and they get to make their own theory about it or whatever they feel
0: from it. That's beautiful. And going back to When the Beat Drops, (laughs) it's amazing. It's so much fun. And that actually leads us to a conversation about filmmaking because you created this stunning film in a university library, right?
1: Yes, the piece When the Beat Drop came first, and I had an idea, I was like, I'm in a university, I'm teaching here, we have filmmakers here, we have dancers, let's just do a collaboration. Mm. And so most of that was, you know, partially it was my idea, but having the filmmaker, like the student filmmakers and the dancers just be really open. And yes, it was shot in the library that was um, actually being shut down. And again, it was just a, a matter of saying, can we use this? And it was a lot of nails on the floors. I had to pick the nails oh up and God. just, you know, just make sure that the um, space was very comfortable with the dancers. And I had a ball.
0: Oh, it's <laughs> so much fun. We're obviously going to include links to some of your videos um, in the show notes of this episode so that people can, you know, what would you call it? Yeek? Yeek. Yeek. <laughs> what is you, that like? Yeek is so
1: aggressive. If you are a true AT alien, uh-huh. you know about yeek. And it always starts like with this super aggressive move. And at the very end, it's like a five, six, seven, yeek. And so (laughs) it's an audible sound that we make with our bodies and our mouths. We actually say yeek.
0: Yeah, that's so fun. (laughs) It's obviously very difficult to choreograph and then to perform. So are there any rituals that you engage in to get your mind and body into a specific place before you do either?
1: Usually before performance, if I'm performing, I usually take a moment to kind of sit with myself. I give myself a really nice, proper warm-up. That's a whole full body warm-up. A foam roller is your best friend <laughs> as a dancer because your muscles are so tight. Um, <laughs> so I, I usually roll around with my foam roller. And then, um, yeah, I just kind of listen to some good music, whether it's like Donnie Hathaway, Layla Hathaway. And I also may listen to a little bit of Sam Cooke, too, just to kind of, you know, get myself together.
0: And he's featured in touch a Greatest. Yes.
1: I love Sam Cooke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's a curveball question. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, tell the cultured crew who some of your favorite dancers and or dance companies are so that they know who to check out in the future.
1: Oh, well, I'm going to put a plug. Um, I currently dance with Camille A. Brown and Dancers, and there's a company based in New York. So I love us. Um, I love Matthew Russian, he's a, a principal dancer with Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. I love him. I've always been a fan of him. I love Bill T. Jones. I love Crystal Pike. She's an amazing choreographer. I love Kyle Abraham. Um, I love the Atlanta Ballet. I just love everybody. And I think the reason why is because I feel like there should be a balance between classical and contemporary. And um, it's, just, it's part of art.
0: Yeah, the duality <laughs> of life. Yes. Thank you so much, Jewel. This has been such a fun and interesting conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Michelle. amazing is jewel i feel so fortunate that not only i get to work with him but also that i get to have him as a guest on the cultured podcast so cultured crew if you want to get in touch with jewel see some of his work and interact with him and tell him that you heard him on cultured you can find him at JewelDLane.com, and he spells his name j u e l And L-A-N-E is his last name, but don't forget that D in the middle. And also on Instagram and Twitter, you can find him at Jewel D. Lane. He keeps it super simple. You can also find some YouTube videos of his uh, work as a filmmaker and choreographer. That's really stunning stuff. But all of these links, those YouTube videos are going to be embedded in the show notes to make it really easy for you. I love you guys, and I appreciate your ears, your attention, and your inspiration. Keep it classy. Keep it curious. Keep it cultured. I'm Michelle Corey. Sean Powers is our producer. David Markowitz is our executive producer. The Cultured Podcast is a production of Zero Mile Media, made with love in Atlanta. You can listen to Cultured on CulturedPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and anywhere podcasts are found. If you love what you're hearing, don't forget to rate and review The Cultured Podcast on Apple Podcasts.